You are listening to The Exchange by Evolution, a melting pot of ideas and inspirations shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the APEC region. I'm Pearly, Associate Consultant with Evolution Recruitment, and I help connect businesses with top tech talents. Today, I'm your host. Just a disclaimer before we get into the discussion straight, all thoughts and views spoken by the speaker or myself are only representing each individual and not that of their company. Welcome to another installment of our podcast. On today's podcast, we will be discussing the topic of emerging technologies in education, where we will be discussing about how emerging technologies such as AI and VR have the potential to transform the education industry. I am delighted to be joined by John, Chief Technology Officer of Eden House International Education Group. Hey John, to begin, it would be great for you to introduce yourself to our audience. Hey, thanks, Pearly, for that uh, lovely intro. Um, a quick intro of myself. Uh, I'm John, yes. and uh, <laughs> I actually has been in the education uh, sector for quite a while. Um, so uh, I'm currently at Eaton House. Yes. So prior to that, I was at ISCA also, which is very near to your office. And before that, I was in like Singapore Institute of Technology as one of the founding members over there in terms of the IT and the learning lab. So education has been an area that I've been focusing in for quite a while. Ah, I see. That's so interesting. Okay. And all right, really glad to have you here with us today. So obviously, you know, you... And yeah, so obviously, you know, you've been in the education industry for quite a while, you know, you've seen how like technology has um, helped to evolve things. Yeah. So there are a lot of buzzwords, you know, like AI, generative AI, right, um, around um, recently. So how can AI really be leveraged to enhance teaching and learning experience these days? I, I think the first thing that in terms of any institution, you know, uh, before embarking, is, is there a use case within the institution? So there are many buzzwords, even Web3, you know, at that time, they were having the same buzzword, you know, what's Web3, we're going to do it. And to be honest, it start, sort of kind of die off, you know, eventually. Because what is the real use case in that arena? So generative AI is definitely one disruptive technology, I would say. Uh, but it is disruptive as in a positive way, let's put it that way. And for us, uh, there are many areas in terms of AI that we can use. I mean, if you look at uh, how we can use generative AI, whether we, this, the common ones that everyone knows is like uh, ChatGPT. So if you talk about ChatGPT, um, even for teachers, let's say for teachers, um, you know, teachers actually prepares the classroom materials or even curriculum. Mm-hmm. They could actually use it, you know, in terms of putting in the necessary or the correct prompts and then get the information. That gives a draft. Mm-hmm. You may say, oh, then what kind of creativity they have? Mm-hmm. But actually the thing is that sometimes you are so busy that, uh, you know, a, a kind of draft actually helps you, like giving you a spark. You know, and, and actually that starts and, and saves quite a number of time rather than sitting there and staring at the wall and thinking what to do next. So this type of things actually helps in terms in terms of actually preparing what kind of classroom lessons 
that's one areas of use, especially for teachers. The other is actually depends on your age group of the student. Yeah, so let's say the age group of students is towards a more a secondary school mm. uh, kind of cohort. Then it's a bit different because the students then can use generative AI for their own you know, purposes. So um, there were principal talking because we also run international school for Ethan House, right? So sometimes the principal is asking, you know, wow, with this generative AI, and they can't stop people from using it. And their essay seems to be perfect now. <laughs> in that sense, and then they were asking that same question: you know, How are we going to 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 make that kind of grading and evaluating? But I think you know, teachers are coming uh, along the side and say, "Well, instead of actually closing the matter, uh, they're saying, you know, it's how we actually structure the way we ask the questions. Actually, in terms of." how we can actually uh, prop uh, even further their, their, their thinking capability and, and answer according to the various situations, which could be different. So it's not so much of descriptive anymore, you know, so more applicable kind of uh, scenario-based kind of uh, questions. So again, you know, again, if we talk about generative AI, uh, expect of things, you know, these are prompts that you can actually, they can actually use it because I think it's quite a fair bit of things. I think not only in terms of text AI that we talk about, mm. but also pictures, mm. pictorial. So, you know, I was looking at a, a kind of use case whereby some of it use it for even education. We also have marketing aspect of things. So, you know, sometimes we actually use generate AI to come up with very diffusive kind of, uh, kind of art. And sometimes you blend it with QR code and so on and so forth, you know, to make that QR code not that kind of plain black and white. So, so they can actually use, you know, um, generative AI for that uh, areas of, uh, um, to make like, you know, that, that unique look, you know, for, for, for the company. Not only that, I think um, in several areas, um, I've seen people using it, whether is it for PowerPoint generation, um, I also use Senate for for them actually coming out with uh, logos and and um, uh, some kind of pictures actually because they actually um, expressed um, you know in terms of certain scenarios and it comes out with kind of pictorial um, that they can actually pull. Of course, then you have um, some of you talk about IP problems lah, but I think that will be a separate issue. That I think, unfortunately, a market now, mm. if we talk about it, is a is a big issue on its own mm. currently in terms of IP. So, so in terms of education, there are many use cases actually for generative AI. Um, so that that is definitely one potential area that we talk about uh, versus uh, Web three lah. So there are people using it, and um, actually we are also trying to refine uh, the, uh, the the use case because. There are many use cases also in terms of saving uh, staff productivity. I'll give you an example. Um, we had this uh, productivity kind of uh, um, gain where we said all, all, student, all teachers have to produce some kind of like term report. Right? So how do they come up with a, a draft term report? I have so many students, you know, hundreds, thousands. And of course, we can say uh, it's already decentralized for each teacher is supposed to write their own draft reports, right? Mm. But the 
the bottom line is that if generate AI can actually take in based on the assessment that they actually did, and based on the assessment they did, what are the uh, texts that they, the teachers actually put in on a kind of weekly basis and all this, the system can actually draw and pull out all this information and give a draft based on the, the student's performance, the student's uh, kind of um, improvement that they have, the student's status as of today, the day you wrote the report, because they can actually draw from the data that you actually pumped in in their daily activity assessment that they have done. So, so that that aspect of things, actually, to be honest, it's it's really a productivity game for them because writing drafts uh, will definitely save time for teachers, and teachers actually would like to teach rather than doing administrative tasks. So, if you actually start to leverage all this, it actually helps them. You actually free them from doing what they love best, which is, I think, teaching and educating the, the next generation versus all this administrative tasks. But of course, administrative tasks is something you need to do because you need to inform, communicate to the parents and everybody up there, right? So so that's something that you can't run away from it. So that's, that's, a, that's a quite a number of use cases, I would think. Even within Ethan House, we were thinking a lot, you know, some of this. And also we were looking at, instead of using those traditional intranet, we already sort of cut it off. Yeah, we already used... Uh, AI to ask to let the um, internal staff you know ask questions and then get the policies and procedures of course in a very secure way um, instead of actually trying to search and say where is this manual sub manual manual sub manual no no more you know and so so they they, they, they ask questions directly and it says um, can you tell me what is the um, um, policy that states uh, you know, um, what is the retention period of a video recording that I need to keep for CCTV? Now, this is going to be in one line of the IT policy. But by searching into using generative AI, you basically, the generative AI will tell you very nicely, the, the Ethan House IT policy states that the retention policy is up to XX number of days. And it's a straightforward answer. Rather than searching through, first of all, getting your policies right, and then after that, which page of that policy is right, the CCTV. Yeah, but this actually cuts out all the time yeah. and gives you a very quick answer. And they, and they love to use it. So we have very positive feedback from staff, you know, using this type of intranet portal. And I think, I think that's, 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 that's how we're going to run it. I mean, um, I see in a very positive light, mm-hmm. yeah, for that. Sounds great. And, you know, now that we have known, like, the potential use cases, yeah, especially with uh, in Eden House, right? That's really cool. So, in terms of AI, we've already covered that. And what are some potential use cases of, you know, virtual reality and augmented reality in education? And how can this actually improve maybe students' engagement as well? Okay. Um... To be honest, Eaton House, we have not uh, engaged so much on the VR and AR perspective. Mm. But maybe I, I'll give a little bit more on how this VR and AR technology actually works. And, you know, when I was looking at how some of the other education institutions does. Mm. Um, it comes with two prongs, actually. Mm. We use VR and AR for training uh, for staff. Mm. So I saw them the way, and I was thinking about it for a while, so how we can actually apply that is sometimes we can't go to certain 
um, you know, we can't go to the certain places all the time for training because teachers are pretty tight in the timing. Yeah. So uh, a VR and ERA is where we have a set curriculum that the, the teachers can use it for improvement purposes. So, so I'll give you an example, like um, if I wanted to guide a new staff in terms of um, a specific topic in science. So when we talk about um, a certain areas of science, we want them to actually know some of the technique that they want to use. So a VR um, would actually you know, help them to know in terms of immersively how how in terms of how they're going to teach um, yeah and in terms of where we are going to head for that area so for example if I if you want to talk about uh, the deep sea uh, specific topic then I think in terms of the VR they will actually go through with them how it's going to be run for the students at the same time so I think in terms of um, VR one of the biggest uh, challenge that we have is actually the gadgets related because it actually goes down with wearing their goggles uh, yes. and which is actually can be quite tiring after a while yes. so one of the things that we, we talk about was actually more towards uh, a AR technology whereby they don't have to wear so much of the heavy goggles mm. to actually run around things mm. but Unfortunately, the market is such that uh, there's still more ready-made uh, kind of topics of curriculum in the VR space mm-hmm. versus AR. So, so basically, when we we start looking around, uh, we did um, suggest um, you know certain areas of topics. So, again, it depends on some of the international schools. Some of the international schools actually use it for interactive purposes. So, they use it for interactions such as um, uh, in conjunction with maybe interactive TVs or interactive bots, depends. It could be a very gamification of a certain areas of topic they want to talk about. Um, again, it's something uh, that it, it, it varies with schools actually. Mm. Yeah. So, um, so certain schools actually use it more for exploring maybe areas of topics of interest. I have to keep saying that mm. because. Um, it has to come down to a certain uh, kind of topics that we talk about. Mm. Then they use it for AR, uh, VR and AR. So, mm. so we don't really set up like go to the classroom and our classroom is like, wow, this VR, AR. No, it's not like this. Yeah. I think we are still a very lab-based kind of thing that, that people can go into lab and actually try out a certain VR and AR kind of technology. At the same time, sometimes uh, we put it at the common corridors, oh, yeah. So, a, correct. So, so if you if you use it for AR purposes, um, yeah, it's possible because we actually fix some you know, samples there for them to actually try it out. And again, um, it's more for relaxation. So, it, some of them would like to use it, like uh, you know, like uh, like some kind of games that they have. And actually, that works also for preschools. Yeah, so some of our, you know, Eaton House also runs uh, uh, enrichment centres. So some of our enrichment centres also is uh, actually we uses this kind of uh, kind of gamification. Maybe, you know, sometimes it's to, to ask them to explore a certain place or land. So they can actually use it. You need to go to certain areas, then go to this door, that door, this door, that door, you know. And then, and then, and then, based on that, they can answer certain questions. It could be max question. It could be also uh, in terms of shapes. It could be many things that they actually play with. 
Um, so so actually that 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 brings out that that level and interest of learning more. Yeah. Um, for a start. Um, so so we, we we still leave it um, easy on that 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 portion, you know, in the VR and AR space. And but at the same time, I think student likes to use it. But at the same time, I think parents also have got uh, this iffy uh, sense, you know, that sometimes I think enough is enough for gadgets. <laughs> so I, I think we have to balance that. Yeah. We have to balance that. Maybe for older kids, it's, it's less of that balance. But if you talk about preschool, no. If you have a child of a preschool level, I'm, I'm certain, I'm very certain you don't want the kid to keep on looking at <laughs> gadgets. And I think the parents will say, oh. Like, they need to the screen. Yeah, correct. I think it's, it's okay. okay. I, I, I'll prefer some more traditional way of uh, uh, doing things, you know. So, so there is a mixture, there is a blend, but I think at the end of it, we have to remember uh, some of the things they still prefer the traditional way uh, mm-hmm. of teaching. Mm-hmm. I think some of the parents will still like, and even the children will like, a teacher reading out a storybook rather than <laughs> some kind of watching a, a kind of a VR, AR over a story. Well, you may say some will like that, but yeah. you know, that plain old reading big, books of that uh, storytelling I think that that is something that the, the children will still like to embrace so let's not overdo technology perspective you know when it comes to education perspective you know yeah. all this yeah 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 we definitely need to strike a balance on that yeah. if not I think uh, you know we will just be a very geek based kind <laughs> of uh, teaching just because we're chasing after technology just for the sake of it I think it, it doesn't work out that way mm. yeah Okay. Yeah, you've mentioned a couple of challenges, right? So, what are some of the top current challenge or limitations in adopting this kind of you know technology in education? You would say, in your opinion. Okay, the truth, the truth of this whole thing is sometimes at the end of it, there's there's too many for us to consider, and it's always the new technology is coming up. So I think it's important, some of the challenges that we have is actually, you know, uh, we always say is you can experiment. Uh, we don't uh, we don't actually say things like, hey, teacher, before you experiment, talk to us first. It doesn't make like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you're free to experiment, but if you want to use it for a bigger scale, sometimes it's good to talk to uh, IT, you know. Um, so that IT can actually be involved because there's just too many um, um, possible new technology that we, we can't. So I think the challenges is actually the selection and actually IT actually be able to give advisory and guidance role in the, in the aspect of things because sometimes it's not just uh, a new technology and everyone gets excited. What's the governance level? Sometimes you look at this, you look properly, right? It's, there's no proper governance. There is no proper even the security updates, patches is available. No, it's just a new thing. And then if you want to roll it out, right? Okay, that's fine. But if this is something I classify as not quite secure, unfortunately, we still have to look into that aspect of things. Then maybe I have to give you an isolated server. So so, so that that is the kind of things that we, we, we do talk about. That The challenges is that we don't prohibit people from exploring. But at the same time, it's good that IT needs to be involved in this. Number two is that at the end of it is, again, it boils down to what is the best ROI um, for the company. Sometimes we we dare to explore 
if we say as what I said, given to a small group of people, but if you once you want to go out in the big masses, it must make dollars and cents for the business perspective as well. Okay, we can say that this is part of arrangement classes, that's under the thing, you pay extra, that's one thing. Mm. But another way of actually running it has to be incorporated as part of the teaching to, to give us an age, that's fine, because mm. there's a certain ROI on it. Yeah. But at the end of it, we have to balance it with the cost because all bosses will ask the same thing, especially during this climate whereby it's very uncertain and the interest is extremely high. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> so, you know, every that dollars that you invest, um, you know, we had just had to be very prudent about that. Mm. So, so that is how, how the challenge is, is actually trying to balance it. Because some of the, sometimes people say, I hear you every time I say, cannot make it, cannot approve. Sometimes it's not for me, man. So, so, <laughs> so, you know, that, that, that's the kind of things that we did talk yeah. about. But I think at the end of it, we also said that it's a certain prudency and because, you know, we, we also had to weigh against a certain cost of our traditional systems that we have right mm. so we still need to run with a finance system mm. we still need to run you know with some of this uh, uh learning management system we cannot say like oh this is totally uh, we are just investing in new technology all the time yeah. but what what, what it is mm. you know at the end of it um so 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 we just have to weigh and balance along the way and sometimes it's also important to look at more use case before you start looking at it the challenge sometimes is I want to be the first one, but uh, not all the time, yeah. you know. Not all the time, I think, you, you, you go head on and say, I want to face on. Of course, there's first uh, mover advantage on this, but again, it's important to weigh that. Mm. So, so in, in general fact, I think I would say that the challenges are always there in terms of uh, managing your um, expectation with your colleagues. That's one area. Um, number two is actually managing the ROI or the cost. Mm. Number three, also you should also manage your board and your bosses. Mm. Because I, I think at the end of it, the bosses also want to be very certain. Every dollar I invest, everything that we do, you know, you know, is that a real return for me? Mm. And you must actually help them to understand along the way. Mm. I sort of disagree when people say that, well, my bosses cannot understand what we are talking about. But frankly speaking, if they are from a business angle, seriously, you really talk some business sense out of this whole thing, right? Because like Eaton House is not a non-profit organization, <laughs> so it's a different ball game, you know? Yeah. So at the end of it, at the end of it, I think, I think we just have to be, um, um, be careful on that. I think one more fourth point that maybe we could consider, it would be actually in terms of um, the resources. Because because the challenges that people have is that, oh, good, uh, try new things, try new things. But you've got people to really manage to assess, to trial or not. And also whether the challenges of all this startup that actually comes to you, whether they can live long enough or not. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 I agree that startup has got this creativity juice. But at the same time, I see startup that falls because I, I, I do run startup in the past before. Okay. Uh, yeah. so, 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 so basically, when we start um, having this discussion, we, we need to know that this, it, there's certain risk to this whole thing of trying things and going with the vendors. And also, if let's say if these vendors fail, who can take over? Should this be something that you cannot want to write off? Yeah. 
So I think there's certain things that you need to look into in terms of both the resources and the viability and mm-hmm. and really really whether there's such enough capability. Just like, um, you know, this AI thing mm. is causing a boom. Mm. In the same way, do we have enough AI engineers? The truth is that it's very hard. Mm. The total number of, uh, you know, AI engineers in the market now, it's insufficient. Mm. Even within US and then I think China will start, start scrambling for it. Mm. But I, I think in terms of the whole market, mm. if there's not enough for the big boys, mm. how about our locals? It's going to be lesser and lesser and even more difficult to find. So these are things that I think we just have to be aware about. Um, not to uh, hamper people from actually going for all these AI and new technologies and all this stuff. But I think you need to know the viability of it mm. at the end of it. Of course, we want it a little bit more long term. A product that you invest at certain dollars and cents, at least you must at least last for a few a good few years if the amount of money that you invested is like five six digits mm. at least it's a good three years to run right mm. so if you cannot even last three years then forget it you know um there's something that we talk unless it's a very small amount of money a few thousand dollars ten twenty thousand dollars die die la. <laughs> so so that then then again you know you just have to weigh that so in terms of all the challenges i think the whole the whole idea is actually just to make sure that the fundamentals are there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's 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 don't run around things without getting our fundamentals uh, right, mm-hmm. uh, and let our emotional runs instead. That is the biggest problem. Mm-hmm. I always got people who runs with full emotion bank. <laughs> they say, John, I tell you, I want it. This is the best. I was like, okay. <laughs> Are you sure you need the full analysis? <laughs> Weigh the pros and cons. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so I. But usually, I will let them speak first, lah. How excited they are. Let them talk about it, and then after that, you know, then, 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 not that we find a weak point, but actually, we just have to make sure that our grounds are covered. Yeah. So, so, so that's that's the totality of things, and I think at the end of it is. It's very important that we communicate constantly, you know, with our with our peers and everyone around us. Uh, so, communication is key. Whether you want to do or don't do is one thing. But if you don't communicate well, you don't get them involved. At the end of it, you like top down and say no, one long, you got another problem. You know, yeah. so so so, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. So so so. So, so so there are many facades to this. So I, I have to say that uh, you know we just keep on to the the to, to, to this couple of points. I think you won't be going too wrong. Yeah, with the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. And earlier you also mentioned you know um, governance when it comes to rollout of new technology, right? So what would be some like top ethical considerations um, when it involves you know, implementing this kind of technologies in schools? Yeah. So ethics and governance is slightly different, but let, let's address it uh, accordingly. Now, governance is something that uh, is very important. I give you an example like data analytics. Mm-hmm. Everyone is enthusiastic on writing out dashboards, right? Mm-hmm. And zooming it in. Yeah. But then we have, we reach a point at, at sometimes and say things like, hey, who can see this data? Mm-hmm. It's getting more and more like secret. Because you start drilling down and say, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> so, 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 so when, when, when that happened, yeah. no, and this is that you sure this one can be seen by all HOD or only senior management. So, so, so when we first do it, you know, sometimes 
it's important that you balance that 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 trying out versus when you really want to implement it. So governance is really important whereby you really sit down and think through, you know, you know what where you can what where is the rules and the boundaries mm. that you have to actually draw draw that circle in. Mm. Um we, we we can't we can't be giving a loose and a blank check mm. to everybody in the expect of things. So governance is important to restrict and to know very clearly in terms of who, when, and you know what you can access. Yeah. I think we, you just have to remember that, that aspect of things. <laughs> um, so to me, governance is very important. It is a weak point if people don't look into governance aspect. I feel sad for them, seriously. You will reach a point the people ask all these common questions and you regret it, right? Yeah. And they start running because then you suddenly found that, hey, how come my development reached a point it was stifled? Because people then automatically comes in and try to be protective. Mm. Yeah, that's what that's what is happening, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, to, our, to our existing geographical problems also. <laughs> but anyway, so that 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 said, I think I think that's that's one. The other thing is of course when uh we were talking about what was the other point that we, we mentioned earlier on uh, uh, just now you were saying one is on governance and the other one you were talking about ethics yes ethical Eth- consideration okay ethics is a very big word so so actually you asked me about this word ethics um, it can be quite controversial right yeah it's both controversial but at the same time so when we talk about ethics we have to remember you know that's what people start to talk, talk about is this belongs to me ethically, you know? Um, so this is a big debate, um, especially in the areas of the AI kind of arena, because some of the things uh, you may say is, I want to know where the source is. Have you even get approval from the source? Ethically, is this correct that you're using other people's work? Is this company happy that I'm using it? So I, I think in terms of the AI ethics, for example, I'm just giving AI ethics. It's um, it's something that our government is also trying to do in terms of setting a certain kind of guidelines in that area. Uh, we all know that uh, the EU is also looking into the aspect of things. Then it comes to start becomes India and all this. But I think at the end of it is that. Ethically, we just have to remember if something does not belong to you, you do want to get a certain permission. Mm. If not, it's like stealing. Mm. So in a blunt word. So I, I think I think so I think in terms of the, the certain moral and ethical sense, mm. you know, where we start to use all these things. Mm. Yes, it's convenient. Yes, it gives you ideas. Yes, it may be boring from some of the ideas, but I think at the end of it, you know, mm. there's certain points that we always say is that, you know. Uh, is there a better way that we can governance, govern this kind of whole ethics uh, practice? Mm-hmm. Um, some of them may give you your, their blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of them may not. So again, that's where there'll be, there'll be like people squirming over this whole uh, case. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty new, but I think um, as we keep on exploring all these new technologies and all this, uh, mm-hmm. there'll be bound to be, you know, a kind of we, we do not want to stifle creativity mm. but at the same time I think all these things comes in place 
uh, governance is one, ethics is one. I think I think at the end of it, it's seriously looking with your whole eyes open, knowing full well that what belongs to you, what doesn't belongs to you, you know, and what to makes everyone happier, you know. So so I think I think that's something that. Uh, this kind of acknowledgement and agreement that has to be ongoing, and so so let's just look at um, you know uh, more and more the, the kind of uh, government regulations that that will come along the way lah in terms of how we can actually move this. So just keep a watch on that in terms of ethics here. Yeah. yeah, very good point in terms of like IP and all. Yeah, you will come up. And um, so John. What do you think um, education institutions like schools or even like Eden House, you know, can do in uh, to prepare for the future adoption of, you know, uh, adoption and implementation of technologies in their day-to-day curriculum? Yeah, day-to-day curriculum. I just thought I think I mentioned a little bit on some of this as well. Mm-hmm. I think if the technology has a real use case, can help in terms of both productivity, can help in terms of a new angle of actually make uh, our student be interested in terms of learning. Um, it's something that we can seriously always uh, consider because at the end of it, the use case and the business case ties in hand in hand. Because a new way of learning is always something that will arouse interest. Yeah. yeah? And I think that's something that for Eaton House, if there's something new that's on board, um, I would always say is that let's try it out together. Mm. Let's try it out with a small group of people. Mm. Let's actually experiment in our kitchen. Okay. Okay. So our kitchen, you can actually blend, try things out and actually a, a safe place where we can put. So... It could be uh, an area that we can actually say so you, you try things out, you know, with, with certain accounts and all these things. Again, it depends whether it's a software as a service or whether you can download the software because some of it is open open source, right? Mm-hmm. So you download it and actually we just put put it in some kind of server for them to do. I, I record also IMD actually having um, this kind of uh, uh, concept uh, whereby you can... You can actually experiment uh, new uh, certain technologies, uh, and MDA actually sponsor the hosting space with the vendor, so they can try it out. So, so that that kind of things is the same thing that uh, you know we we provide environment for them to try things out if it's open source, especially. At the same time, we also try to actually work with the vendors if it's a vendor based kind of uh, solution to actually try it out. If it's not, again. You know, sometimes, a lot of times is you need to actually, um, what do you call that, depth into that situation whereby you really need to have hands-on to try it out. There's no way to run about certain things. Mm. From a user's perspective, as long as it's not too complex to use, mm. and some of the users are very IT-savvy people. Yeah. And they will automatically pull this out, la, try this on their own, la, add prompts, la. I was like, wow, and then until so complicated, they can even write certain codes for you yeah. and then start to run and compile them. I was like, okay, I think uh, maybe you should change the IT department. <laughs> and, then, and, 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 and basically with this, actually, they, they, they try things out and, and they'll, be the run, they'll be the run who actually runs and actually comes after you. So 
in the same manner, if you ask me what Eaton House is going, this is how it runs. It actually, we have people coming back to, coming to us sometimes to talk about it. But of course, sometimes it's IT initiative. IT actually come and talk to various departments and says, hey, we have this idea. Um, I have this idea about, um, you know, uh, using generative AI, as I say, to prepare certain uh, materials. Would you be interested to explore? In the same way, when I'm talking to finance, they have AI, but AI, to a certain extent, I have to make sure that it has is action-driven. So, I would want to have an AI, but I may need to incorporate with an RPA that actually do maybe uh, as uh, maybe comparison, you know, in terms of um, or even scripting of uh, delivery orders and to make sure that it's delivered and therefore the system is ready to pay out to the vendor. So I, we may want to automate that process. So from an AI perspective, I would actually ask like a question like, you know, this month, you know, what is, what are the remaining outstanding invoices and why, example, and they could come up with certain of this and maybe they follow up, they could have an action that says, okay, what do you want to do next then? Right? So, um, do you want the system to actually automatically trying to do the comparison for you to scan through? We could do that because there's a lot of new OCR technologies in the market. So, it may not be just generic AI, but also they say OCI and AI, but this, I, I, I just sometimes felt that the word AI is the same problem that they all have about digital transformation, the misuse of words. Yeah. <laughs> so, 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 you know, okay, there's certain enhancement in your technology. I, 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 it's fine. Is it really AI? I don't know. But um, at the end of it, it's the same thing. OCR has technology even in Azure in, in many arena I saw they're very good now to the extent that they can recognize documentation all these things way beyond our expectation in the past and with that actually it helps for example um, you know in terms of solving our procurement and paying because we have a lot of vendors we have so many schools and at the same time you know we need to make sure we pay our vendors promptly you know all of them are upset and, and in the extract of things, automation is one of the key ways to actually lessen the workload of all these manual tasks, you know, of doing, to making sure that everything is reconciled. At the same time, I think it actually helps in terms of the payment kind of life cycle uh, to be faster and quicker. So these are examples that we will say, these are the use case that we have. Sometimes it's, it works both ways. Sometimes the users come to ask us, Sometimes it's we ask the user. Okay. Yeah, so, so, so that aspect of things actually we try to cover. So IT no longer is just doing IT. IT actually does this both giving an insight and a consulting role. Mm-hmm. It's no longer just the traditional IT that we talk about. Mm-hmm. So it's easier said than done because we all know IT need to run uh, business as usual. Mm-hmm. So... When you run business as usual, unfortunately, we still have this uh, new inclination of actually remembering that technology is not stagnant. Mm. So we have no choice. You can't say no choice, but basically we should be kept abreast of what is the new technology. And really, if that really helps your company, 
go forth and try it out. So that is always in our mind. So, you know, our our staff actually one areas is actually looking into this, but sometimes they actually they are constantly reminded, you know, to come up with their creativity. Uh, you know, to solve problem, to come up with the ability to look from a different angle. Yeah, so so even within staff we have meetings and all this. We have once a while we always come out for lunch. Once a while we try to look into uh, areas, you know, whereby <laughs> can we do it different from what we have. Mm. And and for IT, we will even take one step further. Let's put it that way. Mm. If you are a daredevil mm. to actually try new things, mm. and you feel that not only these new things I can build on it, mm. and I can build on it, I can bring this further, and I found that it is this thing that I'm doing is something a little bit unique. Can I productize things? And if you can productize things, you are on a different uh, wavelength again. Because when you productize things, you start to say that, okay, am I going to build a different revenue stream which your boss, some of your bosses may like it? <laughs> yeah, so so how, how does that actually work out? And actually that, that constantly is also something that we also look out for. Yeah, not, not because of the business aspect of things, but seriously, sometimes we say, hey, these things if used by others may not be a bad idea. We don't mind sharing this idea too. So I, I think that's how we work. And that's how we, we talk about things. I think for Ethan House, you know, sometimes in China, we do talk about how IT is actually being used. Of course, they have their own certain worlds, but even for China and Singapore, even, even uh, as I also, also oversees China, um, as a CTO over there. So so basically when we look at things and, and, and visualize things, we look at how products can interact mm. and actually brings out even further mm. new product lines or even new ideas that come together when two products try to synergize together. I see. Yeah, so 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 there are many. So there are many ways of actually looking at this and just 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 always be creative. Just know very well that it's a standstill kind of process of, of, of IT la, and how you actually move IT as a whole. Okay. I, I guess in essence, you know, um, I'm, I'm thinking that you would encourage organizations to keep an open mind when it comes to adopting new technologies and, you know, being creative to see how, you know, um, different technologies can blend in together, work together, create new revenue streams like you mentioned, right? Yeah. Great. So thank you so much for sharing your insights. You know, um, I will leave it here as it is, as that's all the time that we have okay. for today. <laughs> so all right. Yeah, yeah. You're always I mean, welcome, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to take this opportunity to thank John for providing his insights and knowledge on this topic. And yeah, thank you everyone for listening. I'll see you guys next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.